The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya. Tanakas, Fakata, Jag like Michael Waka, Polanco, and Franco. talks about Wander Franco, but just how good is this kid going to be? Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on a Thursday, November 12th. want to wish a happy Veterans Day to all of our servicemen and women out there. Frank Sample joined, as always, by Scott White. We just wrapped up our first mock draft of the offseason. We will talk about that on a podcast next week, but Scott, honestly, it was weird. It was very weird. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. I, I mean, we've been talking about how it's it's going to be so difficult to evaluate every player because there's so little data to go on. And the temptation is to weigh it like a full season when really you shouldn't. And if you did, then a lot of the standbys like, uh, you know, Javier Baez, J.D. Martinez, etc., would just get buried. And, you know, they they obviously didn't go as high as they were coming into 2020. They fell quite a bit, but you know, if, if we were treating 2020 like a full length season, they would drop even more. And something I never thought I would write in a chat in a mock draft was, wow, this is the riskiest mock draft team that I've ever drafted. So (laughs) it's going to be fun to talk about that coming up next week. If you couldn't tell by our open, we are talking about prospects on the show today. And while Scott knows his fair share, Shout out to Alec Bohm. He's looking pretty good so far. Uh, We wanted to bring somebody on who really knows his prospects, is well-versed in fantasy baseball, and is fun. Welcome back to the show, Chris Welsh, a.k.a. The Welsh. What's going on, buddy? My buddy is Frankie Stamps, Scotty White. These are my these are my people. I'm glad to be back. Thank you guys for having me, especially to talk about prospects and that Wander Wander Franco. That's what we were talking about before. We can talk about Wander and and Bomb. No Bohm. I miss talking all the prospects with you too, Scotty. So you uh, you definitely hold your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I miss it. I miss it too. It's it's good to have the Welsh back. Thank you. And using my uh, using my formal name too. The I appreciate that. Guy. Yeah, no, it's, it's like <laughs> the Ohio State University. It's the uh, Welsh. Yeah, the Edge. Exactly. Yeah. Did you uh, change that on the birth certificate officially or what? Oh no, I didn't have to change it. Legal name, legal the Welsh. <laughs> that would be my uh, that'd be my you know full Christian name there, the Welsh. So I appreciate you guys. No, <laughs> I mean I do. at this point I'm more. Uh, apt to respond to you for the Welsh than I am my actual name. When someone calls me Chris, it's like 
your mother using, you know, your full name. I'm like, whoa, who do you think you are talking to me like that with a Chris? That's like me getting trouble in trouble as a kid. My mom's like, Frank Anthony. She would always hit the middle name, right? Frank Anthony, oh, hand yeah. me that shoe. And I, and, you know, as a kid, I'm like, all right, I hand her the shoe. And she's like, just throw it at me. So I would hand her the, you know, whatever. And she would just throw it at me. And I'm just like, all right, well, Frank Anthony, if you ever heard that, it's bad. Uh, if you hear Chris Welsh, you know that he's in trouble. If you've listened to this podcast over the past 365 days longer than that, uh, you know who the Welsh is. He used to host the podcast here uh, towards the end of last season and the in the off season as well. So we welcome him back to the show. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at is it the Welsh? True story. Someone just uh, someone has asked me in the past why is his Twitter handle I sit the Welsh? That is that is a true story. <laughs> someone asked me that. Uh, all that's hundred percent true. It's hundred percent true. I mean, I thought it was clever because I'm like, hey, I'm posing the question because people are like, is it the the Welsh? And it's like, yeah, that's the handle. But I get, yes, I sit the Welsh, and always the classic, I uh, is it the Welch, like the purple drink. So uh, it is. <laughs> yeah. Is it the Welsh? Uh, is it yeah. the Welsh? I, I, that's the first time I've heard the explanation of the handle. Actually, no. that, yeah, it's not. I mean, it's really not that great. Yeah, no, I, I, I. I yeah. Okay. I, I'm yeah. glad I heard it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's working. And of course, make sure you uh, check out the Welsh's work over at In This League, hosts the po- uh, their podcast there and Prospect One, where he goes crazy deep on baseball prospects. Is there anything else you want to promote before we get started? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's a little extended there. But I mean, I think, you know, the thing that people would care about the most here would be like the In This League Fantasy Baseball podcast. And probably more than anything to this conversation would be Prospect One, because that's where it's my full coverage talk you know it's what's funny and i try not to do it i'm a hundred percent like a name droppy guy and i hate doing it but in my soul it has to come out and it's like half the guys we're going to talk about in this episode today i've talked to i've been around i've interviewed on my show uh so it's just it's it's i'm apt to do it but if you check out the show it's fantasy baseball driven for prospects i live in arizona so i get to come out and be around these guys you know when humans can be around humans i do that and i've been doing it for many years and i get some of these dudes on my podcast and alec bohm being one of them and a whole bunch of others so uh yeah check it out prospect one any podcast place yeah, and it's not just a, like a humble brag or a weird flex or anything, because I've talked to the Welsh in the past, uh, previous stops, uh, some some radio stuff, and he's just like, yeah, I'm out here uh, in the back, you know, he's like, just drops this prospect, and he's like, I just saw this prospect, you know, hitting off a tee, and this guy throwing it, and I'm like, yeah. Well, Stamps, if you remember the last <laughs> thing you did, he actually, uh, Frank, had, had me do a call-in I was on the Padres backfield. This That's is, I remember this hundred percent. That's what it was. It, was, it might've been this past year or maybe it was a year before I'm on the Padres backfield. I'm watching Mackenzie Gore and Adrian Morion <laughs> work line drills with Garrett Richards. And uh, maybe it was Garrett Richards. And I'm just walking around the field to see Francisco Mejia over here, Chris Paddock over here. And I'm just walking on the backfields of the Padres, just doing my phone interview, just walking through people. I'm like, I'm out with Frankie Stamps. Get out of here. So, yeah, I have 100 percent done many interviews on the backfields. And I always say the good stuff for you. Yeah. And Welsh is like, I, I'm wasting my time talking to Frank here when I could be interviewing all these awesome prospects. All right. So we're going to ask uh, the Welsh about some of these big names. Of course, we're going to talk about Mackenzie Gore a little bit later on in the show and ask uh, who some of your favorite sleepers are um, towards the end. I've got a game of guess who prospect edition. I don't know if this player is still a prospect, but you know what? He's still a prospect in my eyes. So I'm going to go with I'm- it horrible at these games. Scott, are you, I feel like we, you and I have done this before. I am 
horrific when it comes to these guessing games. You would think it would be my wheelhouse. They'd be like, uh, podcast host, first name, Scott, last name, Bogman that you've hosted with. And I'm like, uh, I don't know who it is. Like, I cannot put stuff together. Are you like that at all, Scotty? No, no. Okay. Well, I think, good I think, for I'm, you, think you're going to win. Good. Somebody, somebody has to be good at these games, I guess, or else we would stop doing them. It's not me. <laughs> it it's would not, not be good to listen to. I'm like a three to one underdog on this today, for sure. Honestly, I think the worse, pe- uh, the worse you guys are, the better it makes for content. So we'll find out a little <laughs> bit later on. All right, Welsh. Some general prospect questions that we have. What's going to happen? <laughs> Oh, well, guys, thanks so much because I have the answer. I've got all the answers. <laughs> What's going to happen to what? Will there be minor leagues? Will minor leaguers ever play in games? That's a loaded question. It is, it is a loaded question. Uh, yeah, I just, I have no idea. Uh, but specifically when it comes to evaluating prospects for 2021, and I think obviously you I'm sure you're already dealing with this. We're all going yeah. to deal with this from a fantasy perspective for Dynasty, for Redraft, trying to figure out, you know, how aggressive are these teams going to be with their prospects who just lost out on basically an entire year of development? So it is an all-encompassing question, but basically, you know, what are you going to do with evaluation for 2021, given the fact that we just missed out on a whole season of development? Yeah, this has been like, I mean... It- I really should go back and like do a bunch of my podcasts and just piece all the interviews together. Cause this is something I kind of drug out for months and months, especially when, you know, we were in deep quarantine. Cause this was kind of the biggest question. The season's taken away. I, you know, a lot of what I do has been built around development. I'm here for half of major league baseball's developmental leagues. And this is what, you know, I've kind of grown accustomed to. I, I would say the biggest confirmation I probably got, cause I've talked with like, Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, but Eric Longenhagen with Fangraphs is one of the best in the industry, and he's uh, become a friend out here. And I asked him the same question, and I had posed in my mind that at the end of the day, I don't know if there's that much developmental hit that's taken away from these guys as we all think, because you think of minor league being taken away and we all just go, okay, well, everybody's back a year. Let's trade off the super young prospects because we've lost a year. There's a there's a there's a lot of hands off stuff that's done and the lower levels. So if you take like I'll try to make this quick, but if you take like the international guys that come out, there's a lot of exciting. You know, Wander Franco you talk about was an international guy just a couple of years ago. Those guys didn't really lose a whole lot. They've been out here, they trained, and they're just going to move forward. So I don't take them. The AAA guys. It's really not. If anything, they might have got a boost because they went to these alt sites. They worked against high-end pitching. They were working up against essentially major leaguers at that point. So whether you were, let's say, a double-A player, you got a lot of work. Jared Kelnick is a perfect example of that. The guys I'm most worried about were the transitional players from A-ball to advanced A, which is kind of the biggest boost. And that doesn't really affect anybody for 2021 as far as your redrafts go. I think it could stall them out. Examples are, uh, if you're a dynasty player, Christian Robinson with Arizona Diamondbacks is very, very exciting. That's a guy. And he also changed his body. You know, there's players that are changing their bodies. This is a guy that he dropped 20 pounds before the season started. And then he came back three months later to the alt site and had gained 20 more pounds of muscle. This is a guy who's completely transformed his body three times in the span of a year. Those are the guys that I'm most worried about from a developmental standpoint. So from a dynasty owner, if you didn't, if, if immediacy is the most important thing to you, 
I'd be moving off of some of those players because I think they're going to be halted back. And then, you know, the last part is I do think there are some, there's certain cases across the board. Um, there's actually a prospect uh, that has not reached a very high level at all that I think could reach the majors next year. But then there are some guys that like Drew Waters specifically, Drew Waters with the Atlanta Braves. I think this guy is in, he lost a year of development. He was at all sites. He's blocked and he doesn't have numbers to back up pushing anybody else off that I think those type of like high advanced a players are the ones that maybe lose a year or don't get you for this upcoming season when you get super excited about some of those players. So it's kind of an answer. I think it's low amount of development that's been taken away. Some guys, and I'll finally end this, some guys probably are going to have gotten two years of advancement by being at the alt sites than in minor leagues. Example, another Diamondback, Corbin Carroll, who's a, who's a really talented player that Dynasty owners should have. Corbin Carroll, instead of when he went from the AZL to low A, instead of going and playing against high A and starting to see the first time where you know, you're getting some off-speed stuff, this guy went up, it was you know hitting against major league Diamondbacks pitchers, John Duplantier, AAA prospect pitchers. And he has even been quoted in some interviews saying, listen, I learned more than I could have possibly ever learned or I learned in my first stint in professional baseball because I was with all my coaches, all the trainers, all the best prospects, and it's another level of development. So I think it's a little bit overblown than we all really think it is. And I think there's chances for people to take advantage of that in dynasty leagues. First of all, I like that you used the two examples you used were Diamondbacks. That's, of course, of course. Yeah, what I do you live in? I, I got, I've got like quotes and I've got some personal experience and those those were apt for me to use, but it is yeah. very Homer-ish. It yeah, is yeah, Homer-ish. I was going to say, do you live yeah. in Arizona or something? Uh, so what's that? Do you live in Arizona or something? Uh, I live in Arizona. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Diamondbacks hat right there. When I'm looking at this, and this is the part of the offseason where I, I really do my deep dive on prospects normally. The the problem I'm facing is what am I what am I deep diving? Because <laughs> that's sure. what when, when we talk about evaluating prospects, you, you know, normally we have a bunch of data to work with. And the data is stalled. Like we, we didn't get any new data in 2020, except for the guys who the prospects still considered prospects who came up and, and played in the majors. So like I know you do a top five hundred, yeah, Chris. Which I, I, I mean, just blows my mind because you know the amount of time I spend just on a top one hundred, and you do a top five hundred. It's I don't even know how you tell the difference between number three twenty and four sixty, but um, I know you do a top five hundred. So, like, what is it mostly the same from last year? I mean, what yeah. new information do you have? So it's, it's a great question and, and you're not wrong necessarily about that. I'd also say like people get very, and you know, you guys know this, people get very worked up with numbers, you know? So it's like, it's one thing when it's like, Hey, listen, you have this guy at 30 and everybody else has him at 10, but people will look and be like, Hey, you've got this guy at 350, and he's, you know, 250 and somewhere else. When you start to get past like the top 200 and prospects, the, the length of, of value is, is the, the margins are much smaller, you know, just because a guy is 250 and another guy is 350, it, it doesn't actually mean that they're that much further apart. There might be just certain intangibles. So, you know, what do you pull from this year? You're right. Scott, no, you're right. There are a lot of the things that are the same. And, and I have cautioned a lot of people on my own show that I think this is a very important year. And this is a, a testament to you too, especially because I know, you know, people lock into you a lot for, you know, the coming years uh, realm of prospects that I have been um, championing that 
you really have to find the people that you trust. And it might not be me. It might be somebody else. It might only be Scott. It might not be either one of us, but you have to find those people because you're going to see people changing lists. And it's like, how? How did you do that? Oh, you got your sources? <laughs> you got all those sources? I think it's it's very difficult to make massive changes. And I am a little bit more conservative. I think if, if people have seen my ranks before, I am usually the first on international because I do a lot more studying on the international side and I see them here in Arizona. So I'll be more aggressive on international, which gets people, eh. but also I don't like to make drastic, drastic moves when someone does something right off the cuff because this is a developmental process. And you know, how can I go and pull all these other players and add them to the list and can they change? There are definitely changes. There are guys that played this year that made some big movement. There is information you get out at alt sites. There's also just some directives as far as like players that I've seen. And if I knew this guy was over at an alt camp working with major leaguers, I might give them an extra little boost. And there's a lot of information on instructional leagues. So it is, um, mine is like a, it's a living list. I never stop it. It's always available. I have a Patreon for it. You can see it every single month as I go through the process and update on it. But I mean, if I was sitting there and like every six months updating a 500, it would be, it would be wild. But that is a big question, man. It's like, how do you, how do you value these players in a year that was lost? And I think it can still be done, but you might have to be, you have to, might have to be more critical than you've ever been than you've ever been before. You can buy values on super young players. And I think the guys that are closer hold the most value in dynasty than they've ever done before. So there is an advantage, you know, with however you view your own team. All right. So let's talk about some specific players. And of course I led the show with Wander Franco and let me just ask you about him first and foremost. Uh, he is by far and away the top prospect. I don't, I, I don't, think it changes on anyone's list. I think it's just Franco uh, across the board. And I mean, look, the guy's ridiculous. He's going to turn just 20 years old in March. And in 2019, between single A and high A ball, he had 327 with nine homers and 18 steals. The plate discipline is absolutely ridiculous. In his minor league career, he has 83 walks to 54 strikeouts. I mean, that is just ridiculous. And I don't want to make too many comps because comps get a little wonky and stuff. But like I get Juan Soto vibes from Wander Franco. So you tell me if I'm crazy Welsh. Uh, do you expect him in 2021? If if we're in redraft drafts, is he worth taking? When do you expect him? Uh, it seemed like he was kind of close. He had like the World Series jersey and there was like some rumors he, he might get called up then. All encompassing. What do you think happens next year with Wander Franco? Yeah, I mean, you know, first off, he's just one of the most polished, if maybe not the most polished um, prospects in baseball as far as a hitter. I remember a couple years ago, I remember when um, it was a MLB a pipeline, they had given an 80 comp on the hit tool for Vlad and they had just like never done it. And I actually happened to have Jim Callis on like right as it happened. And we kind of talked thoroughly through that. And I think even at that time, he had said, listen. Juan Franco is a guy that might we might be doing this in a couple of years. And I remember when Franco was an international prospect, you know, 16 years old. And the one thing that stood out to me, and this is someone I comped him to when I first saw him, this was way before he was even tied with the Rays, was he looked like Hanley Ramirez to me in the way he swung. And he just, he bulked up, physically bulked up. He's got probably the best eye as far. I mean, it, it's, it's reminiscent of Vladimir Guerrero, except he's got some other intangibles as far as athleticism goes and he can loft the ball and he can run. I mean, that's what kind of differentiates him. And even as much as a year and a half ago, you know, if you would have pinned people down, people would have still taken Franco over uh, Vladimir Guerrero jr. And just as far as a hit tool, I mean, obviously Vlad isn't a stolen base option, but you know, 
Uh, there was a lot of discussions made about would Wander Franco in a normal season uh, in this last Arizona Fall League in 2019, would he be there in 2020? And I kind of thought it was a possibility. I think the team was moving him. And then, you know, for him to get the ride through the playoffs, I think it's there. The problem is a couple things is the Rays have already gone out and said they don't want to push him. So they're already starting that narrative and they do have guys, you know, Joey Wendell had a pretty good season. If you actually take a look at his numbers, I was just working on my redraft ranks and I was like, God, I can't ignore Joey Wendell and what he did last year. And they've got versatility across the board, but I think there's a possibility that he could play some third. And I think, you know, the Rays are, they like to slow play it. But I think there's a manipulation that is going to take place that Wander will be. I think it's a half season, and that's what I'd be banking on. And if you play in deeper leagues or you can stash properly, I am going to rank him. And I'm going to rank him aggressively in that respect, that I'm going to get about a half season out of him. I'm not sure it'll be much different than Jared Kelnick, and I'll bet you Jared Kelnick will probably go higher in some early redrafts thinking that he could break camp. But I I would assume like a half a season, and I think he's going to be a stud. So we just did our first... Roto mock for 2021, obviously redraft Roto mock, uh, and Jared Kelnick is that how you say it? The the Mariners. Yeah, yeah Jared Kel- Yeah, yeah, Kelnick. It looks like Kelnick, but it's Kelnick. Yeah, it's yeah. Kelnick. He went in round 15, and Wander Franco went in round 16. So very oh, close. okay, good. But Kelnick right. a little ahead, and and yeah, I think if we're talking half season, and I wouldn't expect more than that from Wander Franco myself. Um, yeah, probably not somebody that's going to that that anybody's going to talk about in the the single digit rounds. Uh, I'm actually interested in how you what you think of another Rays prospect, still technically a prospect, even mm-hmm. though he's kind of a household name at this point, and that's Randy Arozarena. Um, I was pretty hesitant to buy into him. His minor league numbers are pretty good, but he wasn't he never got much hype as a prospect. His minor league numbers were good enough that you could say, okay, so maybe, maybe the evaluators are a little low on this guy, but you know, they were projecting him as more of a fourth outfielder type. Absolutely. And, and as good as he was in the minors, it wasn't with a ton of power. Um, I'm kind of past that now. I, I, in redraft, I have him outside my top 30 outfielders, so I'm not going crazy over him, but like, he ended up with 17 home runs between the regular season and playoffs. And once you get up to a number that high, um, you know, I can see it. maybe 10, 11 home runs. Okay. He just got hot, but 17, like that, that's usually you, you get that, you get to that kind of number and it, it's kind of validating. I a hundred percent agree with you. I mean, I, I wish I, I, I keep some stats on my ranks list and I wish I, I wish I kept a, a chart that because there was a time in about 2018 where I was pretty high on a Rosarena cause he was a Cardinals prospect. And it was just because it was, it was always a good hit tool. There wasn't power, but you know, if you're evaluating prospects, if a guy presents you with a really good hit tool, and then you could see some muscle being uh, built on the body, you know, power is going to come last. So he's running, he's hitting. That was kind of exciting. But then he just, you know, he never got the push. He never got the push. He kept kind of falling back and he up, 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 up. And then this year, you know, he's traded, you know, he's a throw in in a trade and he's a completely transformed guy. So I'm with you. I always like the hit tool. I like that he could run, but I never thought he was going to be a big impact player. And, you know, I think uh, Enoceris had marked some of it and when he was going through his run that one of the biggest changes that you saw in Randy Rosarena that I think you can't ignore is the EV changes. You know, it was it was like a three to four uh, boost 
which was showing some of that built muscle. You know, famously, we joke now about what was it, the the chicken and rice that he was working through. It was just push-ups, pull-ups, chicken and rice, building body muscle. He's always had the hit tool. So you talk about, you know, you talk about the muscle coming up. You talk about this beautiful swing. You look at the results, but then you also look at the results, not just like in the season, because I'm with you. Like you could take a month of anybody and fall in love, but he also did it in the biggest, most clutch point that you possibly could do it across the entire playoffs, breaking records. And I think that says something for it. I think this guy, he's got that clutch. There is power. There's speed. He's a five-tool guy. I got to be all in. And it's hard for me because I think the the most difficult thing I have with prospects are the late bloomers. It is the most difficult. There's a guy that just teeters, 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 and then right at the end just comes up or needs a year. Those are my most difficult evaluation because I've got this track record built in my brain of who they are. And I don't want to buy into it. This guy has made the changes that you can't ignore. And I'm going to be pretty aggressive on him this year. But it also, also, is an, an amazing time to sell high on him in Dynasty. You cannot ignore what that sell high could look like. And I would consider that. Yeah. And you should consider it when his early NFBC ADP, I think there's been five drafts completed in the NFBC. So it is oh, very baby. early. And this, this data is interesting to say the least. His early ADP is 54.4. He is a fifth round pick and his steamer projections, which you can find on fan graphs are a 258 batting average, 25 home runs and 21 steals. So, I mean, if he comes anywhere close to that, then he might be worth a mid round pick, but he he might, but like he didn't, and he can, he can run. He just didn't run much during, and maybe he was hitting too many home runs to run, Uh, but he, he stole four bases during the regular season. He stole one during the playoffs. So he's five for seven. It looks like, um, I think, you know, that's not nothing. That's not nothing. But projecting him for more than 20 steals, I think, is a little aggressive. He went in that mock draft we did tonight. He went 115 as opposed to the ADP of 54. 115 is about where I have him. You're saying your your reaction there leads me to believe you think it's too low, Chris. Yeah, yeah, that's low. That's low. I mean, between the mocks I have done, uh, we're conducting some in this league as well to to actually create an early ADP that's not based off of NFBC. I think NFBC is fantastic, but, um, you know, it kind of loses the consumer a little bit because it's a little bit more high stakes. Mm -hmm. I think I'd split that. I like him in the 70s. I mean, to be frank, I'm really curious here. Uh, I'm going to try to put you guys on the spot to to look at it, but, you know, I'd be curious where like a guy like Teoscar Hernandez went because there's another one of those guys. I'm a I'm all about Teoscar Hernandez. And if I was getting a discount comparatively from a Rosarena to uh, Hernandez, I would take Hernandez. Cause I actually think I'd love that to be a, a debate and a, and a look back because I think Hernandez could outperform um, uh, a Rosarena this season. And if there was a 20 to 30 round uh, or pick difference, I mean, give it to me all day, but it might not be the case because a Rosarena has been doing it for a little bit longer. Hernandez went eight picks later. Okay, so I get nothing out of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think now, it's that's I, interesting that you like Hernandez that much because he's another one uh, who I have a hard time, hard time buying into. He hit the ball very hard for two months, harder yeah. than we've ever seen him hit it before. Play discipline was horrible, uh, like horrible. The strikeout rate, especially, was just yeah. like man, you better keep hitting it that hard. And I, I don't have like exit velocity over a two month period is not something I put a lot of stock in, I guess. 
But I think Rosarena is going to suffer from some of that as well. You're going to see yeah. a complete pitch change in how uh, pitchers are going to approach him, especially over a elongated season. You're not going to see as much fastball. You know, there, there's a little bit more of a story. It happens to all these guys. There, uh, again, a prospect we may talk about that I was disappointed they showed no plate discipline whatsoever, and pitchers didn't need to adjust to it. Guys like Rosarena, there's going to be an adjustment period, and he is going to have he's going to have a downfall at some point next season. It's just how long, and I think he's talented enough to get through it. That's how I also feel about uh, Tasker Hernandez. He's one of those guys. We can always look at the volatility of strikeouts and stuff. People did it to Fernando Tatis Jr. to weigh him down on how valuable he can't be because of his strikeout numbers. But at the end of the day, talent pulls through. And I think Hernandez is like a five-tool guy in a super, super upcoming lineup that he's going to be hitting between guys like Bobichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., whatever, whatever else they end up doing. So if I was getting more of a discount, that would be a little bit more exciting. I'd be, I'd be fun to track that. But if those guys are going next to each other, I don't know. I'll take either one and I'll be happy, but maybe not at 50. All right, we're going to hit a quick break. Just want to remind everybody that the 2020 Masters is finally here. The first cut has all your golf needs as Tiger Woods begins his green jacket defense this week at Augusta National. Tune into the First Cut Golf Podcast, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, all week long for tournament previews, picks, and best bets, plus round-by-round recaps as the world's best tee off this Thursday. Actually, when you're listening to it, that would be today. The First Cut crew is on the scene at Augusta National, ready to bring you every insight into a tradition like any other. Go listen to the First Cut Golf Podcast wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do a little bit of rapid fire with some more prospects here with the Welsh. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Poor Joe Adele. What are we going to do with this man in 2021? He had a dreadful 2020 campaign. Probably was not ready for the major leagues. He hit just 161 with 55 strikeouts in 38 games, but we know better than to judge prospects on a 38-game sample. Just look at his teammate Mike Trout. His first 40 games did not fare very well. He had a sub-700 OPS in his rookie season back in 2011. Welsh, what do you think about Joe Adele? I mean, are, are there too many warning signs here? Do you think he starts 2021 in the minors again if there is a minor league season? What do you think with Joe Adele? Yeah, I'm a I'm a big Joe Adele fan. He's uh, he culminated the end of my Arizona Fall League in 2019 with an interview. We did about 20 minutes. He's just a great guy. He's a phenomenal athlete, and I'm very worried about what the season was. His plate discipline was the most concerning thing. But I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with it. I I think. He is one of the one of the more talented outfielders and just overall prospects I've seen in a long time. Hard hit. He can run. He doesn't utilize it enough. He was very candid about his power when I spoke to him as well. Doesn't give me cookie cut answers, and uh, he he improves. He, he consistently improves, and I think he will be in the majors next year. And he I've never seen a prospect in a long time look as fooled as he he had. So I think you have to be very concerned about it, especially with the strikeout numbers. But he has the intangibles to be a very very valuable prospect. I don't mean to. Call him to it but it could be a similar path to like byron buxton um speed power overall athleticism i hope it doesn't take as long but i'm still a buyer of adele 
where are we with Mackenzie Gore? Consensus top pitching prospect. I think a lot of people were hoping to see, maybe even expecting to see him, given what the Padres did last year. Uh, and, you know, Luis Patino, who's actually younger, he passed him in the pecking order, it looks like, got the call before Mackenzie Gore did. Uh, is the stock holding there? Is there any reason for concern? No, I think the only thing I'm concerned about is that they just didn't give him an opportunity. They really kept, I mean, they went to everybody else they possibly could. Morion, they brought up, I think it was Cal Quantrill and um, Luis Patino, obviously, in the bullpen. I'm not 100% sure what that was all about. I've been around, again, this is the name droppy thing, but like Mackenzie Gore was like day one in Padres camp. I've seen him. He's intense. He's got an insane fastball. His third professional start, Nick Ahmed was uh, rehabbing in uh, in one of the games. And he just, I've never seen a professional look so silly. He just had Nick Ahmed just spinning around like a cartoon on his curveball. But he's just been a little bit inconsistent. And I think they're trying to hone in that consistency. And I kind of think Patino could have gone either way for them is why they allowed him to go to the bullpen. I don't think that's an option for Mackenzie Gore. So I'm a little concerned why there was nothing there whatsoever. And uh, even in the playoffs, they didn't go to it. So I think there's a little bit of cause of concern, but he's still my number one pitching prospect. We just need a tiny bit more consistency, but he's got four plus pitches. He's insane. Do you think we see him in 2021? Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely do. And I don't know how early the Padres can do it. They've done it with Paddock. I think that is actually a real possibility depending what happens in free agency or, you know, lack of free agency and trades. And that's another thing. I don't want to go on a tangent about it, but I think in 2021, there's a possibility, even though we lost a minor league season, we might see more prospects by the amount of teams that don't want to spend money in free agency and want to internally play their guys because all ownership is worried about all the money they're losing. You saw guys take qualifying offers that seem like a little bit of a shock. I think teams are going to be really, really wonky about how they spend their money. And I think the guys that can help now uh, are the ones that are going to get the opportunity. So you could have guys that, you know, I say Wander Franco, we might get him up even sooner. The, the Rays specifically are not the team to do that, but there's a lot of other teams that may curtail not spending, you know, $8 million on some blah outfielder, and they may just go to their prospects to save the money. Yeah, and it could make sense, especially with the Padres, given the late season injuries to Clevenger and Denelson Lamette as well. So we'll see what happens with that in the offseason. Well, so I'm going to hit you with a twofer here. Seattle Mariners... Double dosage and faves. Uh, Kalenic, you brought up the name a little bit earlier, and look, just had a 2020 season. I think a lot of people are excited about him, rightfully so. There's video surfacing on of him on the internet hitting line drives off of frisbees, and and the hit tool yeah. looks like it's there, and he's got a power speed combination, and his teammate, you know, a teammate at some point, uh, Julio Rodriguez, who some people actually think have has a higher upside than Kalenic, uh, so. Do we see either both in 2021? What's your outlook for uh, for both I, these guys? I am one of those guys that that I have uh, Julio Rodriguez above Kelnick and um, say it again. Going to drop it again. These both guys have been around for a long time. Uh, if you want to hear what, how intense uh, Jared is, I did an interview with him and he talks about his goals and he's just very goal oriented and he's just really into, he. It was coming out of the 2019 season. He's like, I wanted to go 2020 in the minor leagues. We set that goal. I want to make the majors in 2020. This was for 19. He had told me in the 2019 fall league. He's like, I want to make the majors. That is the major goal here. Uh, he's a he really been into working out, so he's been building a lot of muscle. You saw that in the alt camp site. Kelnick is the guy for 2021. I would not be shocked if he broke camp. 
I don't think it'll happen. I think teams are going to want to manipulate as much as they possibly can, especially when you have depth, which the Mariners actually do have some depth. But I do think he's going to get some run next year, and I think he's going to be pretty strong. He was one of the best high school bats coming out when he originally did, and he's built into power. He can run. He's intense. He's uh, he's just he's going to be the face of the organization, but so is Julio Rodriguez, and Julio Rodriguez is one of my absolute favorite people. And uh, that guy, I mean, he was just an instructs not too long ago after he returned from his wrist injury, he was dropping 111, 112 uh, EVs and instructs. He hits the ball really hard. He's still got some stuff to work on. He's still chasing a little bit, and he can get fooled a little bit down below. And he's not going to be much of a runner, but he's going to be a massive impact back. We're talking about like 35, you know, four. Homers, hundred hundred. I think he can hit three hundred. I wouldn't be shocked if he struggles a little bit early on because he's still very young and he's getting pressed. I don't think, and this is something me and James Anderson from Rotowire disagree with. We go about this a lot. I don't think, even after this lost season, he thought Julio could have been a twenty twenty guy. I don't think Julio is going to be a twenty twenty one guy, but I do think Kelnick will be that. And then, and by the way, those two guys are like best friends. They, uh, I think, they were roommates for a little bit. I talked to Kelnick about that. They love each other. They are going to grow up and uh, be superstars in the same organization. They're going to be the new Bash brothers when they get there, as far as prospects and uh, Mariner fans and everybody. Julio Rodriguez is going to be one of those guys that he just transcends all teams, and people will love him. My bet is on him long term, but that is not a discount to Kelnick. They're both going to be studs. But in 2021, go with uh, Jared Kelnick. And of course, the Mariners, nobody's expecting them to compete next year. So they have yeah. even more incentive to keep Rodriguez down. Uh, a team that was surprisingly aggressive in promoting its prospects this year, though, even though you know the Tigers, they weren't contenders. And yet we saw Casey Mize come up. We saw Tarek Skubal yeah. come up. The one we didn't see come up was Matt Manning. He's the one, he's the one I'm, I'm invested in in Dynasty. I actually traded Joey Bart for him straight up in, in a league. That's a good trade. It's a surprisingly straightforward trade for a Dynasty league, high-end prospect for high-end prospect. And, yeah. and spending on a pitching prospect. That's always something yeah. that's a little bit well, dicey I'm, investing. Yes, yes, yes. There's no such thing as a pitching prospect, right? Except I am... I am all about pitching right now in fantasy baseball and just want as much of it as I could possibly can, in part because I know I can't count on everybody. Uh, but anyway, what do, you, what do you think of Matt Manning and his chances? Yeah, he's pro- I mean, he probably has the highest upside of all those guys. They're so deep, too, by the way, just across the board. The Tigers are so exciting with what they did in this past draft. But I was never the biggest Casey Myers guy on the planet, and I think you saw some of the worries. You know, in the minors the strikeout numbers didn't get too crazy. And you saw early on, no one could hit that splitter and it looks insane. But then when people realize you don't have to swing at that splitter and if he doesn't command the other pitches, he's very hittable. And he's, he, you can take advantage of him because then he's going to start backtracking. Then he has to go to the fastball and people can get up to that. Same thing happened with uh, Turk Skubal because when his secondary stuff wasn't working and he couldn't get that to command, he was way more hittable, way more down to life. Where Matt Manning, I think he's a big, giant, projectable, high fastball strikeout pitcher. He's got three offerings. I don't think he's weighted like the other two as much, where if this one offering doesn't work, he's kind of backtracking a little bit. And they're babying him. You can tell how important he is to the organization. They didn't push him up where they did with Scooble. Kind of had the same like Luis Patino thing, where he could go either way and he could just compete in short innings, but they don't want to, uh, they don't want damage and he did get damaged a little bit with this injury but he should be healthy next year big strikeout option he is a very very good bet and i would take him uh, over mize and uh, turks google uh welsh andrew vaughn 
was the third overall pick uh, by the White Sox in the 2019 draft. And I, I think, obviously, they drafted him a little bit older, three-year player in college. He'll turn 23 years old in April. I think the hope was that he would join the the major league team sooner rather than later. Uh, but he's one of these weird situations where he misses out on this season of development. Uh, great plate discipline, has a great eye. He can walk. He doesn't strike out much. He hits a ton of line drives. Uh, I think he's a very projectable hitter. But... Because he hasn't played above high A, can we expect him in 2021? It seems like if they don't do anything else in the offseason, we'll see what happens, uh, they declined Edwin Encarnacion's option, and it seems like Vaughn can kind of fit in there as the first base of the DH at some point next season. Is that something you would expect? Yeah, you know, I would tell you something I need to really reevaluate for my 2020 ranks as I'm working on them. Vaughn might be the most gettable player for 2021 to draft early on because uh, another thing that they did was he worked on third base at the alt camps it was something that kind of broke that he was going to start working for some third base for flexibility he never got out there but people forget Andrew Vaughn was maybe one of the best pure hitters in the last couple of years that's come out of a draft and you know Andrew Vaughn and Spencer Torkelson have been you know pitted up against each other both as Pac-12 uh, first baseman for a long time and if you ask a lot of evaluators over the last two years Andrew Vaughn would take the win. Better hit tool, not as much power as Torkelson. Uh, Torkelson can get beat a little bit low where Andrew Vaughn would not. So there's a lot of people that would, you know, I don't know if they do it today, but they would have taken Vaughn over Torkelson. I think that sounds crazy for a lot of people. He's ready. Played at Cal. He played at the highest level. One of the best hitters. He's multi-position eligible right now. I've seen him a couple times. I'm not in absolute love with him, but he is an absolute major league player now. And I just throw out this little caveat. I don't know how easy it's going to be for the White Sox to bring in free agents across the board. And they're going to have some spots available right now. Andrew Vaughn, I mean, E5 was essentially drafted as a stop holder for uh, Andrew Vaughn. And now he's gone. I think Andrew Vaughn could break camp as a DH and he would provide them with first and third base eligibility. I just don't know if they're going to find a bunch of other uh, great options unless Arusa wants a veteran. So I would bet on Andrew Vaughn next year and just watch out that bats uh, that bats for real. So you mentioned Torkelson. Let's transition right to him. The White Sox are Mm. contenders. The Tigers likely not. Torkelson hasn't gotten any minor league time yet, but he's supposed to be a pretty advanced hitter. Do you think we see him not right away, but at some point in 2021? My gut says yes. Um, he He surprised everybody by being drafted as a third baseman. And I saw one of his last games at ASU. It was really fun to finally get to see him in person on a super cold night in Arizona before everything kind of shut down. And his power is insane. It's one of the the most ridiculous power grades I've ever seen on a prospect just in person, especially at the college level. Super smart, great defender. Um, Doesn't get fooled as much as like I had been told. And I think he's one of the most exciting prospects. I've got him as a top six prospect overall in my ranks. And the third base thing is the caveat that could keep him out because he's working at a brand new position. But I think there's a real possibility later on we do see him. There's a flood coming. There's a flood coming of Detroit uh, Tigers prospects that I don't know if it's going to happen in 2021. It might be 2022. And I think they could bring Riley Green and Torkelson up pretty close to each other. So if I had to bet and it was Torque, I would say, you know, maybe it's like August or something like that. So I wouldn't be drafting him, but he is going to, with whatever minor league season we do actually get next season, whatever capacity it looks like, Torkelson is going to, you're going to be trying to fight like why you don't have him at number one. I think that's where he's at. I don't know if they're really going to stick with the third base thing anyway, because they just called up Isaac Paredes last season, who maybe 
maybe he doesn't stick as a starter, but I, I would think they'd want to at least give him a shot there. And by the way, it's, it's Isak. It's Isak. Isak. Isak wow. Paredes. That's a little little uh, breaking some uh, breaking some news here. Isak yeah. Paredes. I, I have never yeah. heard that pronunciation before, but I, I guess it, it's 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 it makes sense. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, I I kind of think Torkelson's going to end up at first base, um, and maybe that's like that a Candelario. And Candelario can play third base. I mean, they've got they've got flexibility. I think this is probably like uh, Pujols. You know, people forget like Pujols played some third base. I think in his rookie season, maybe the first two, mm-hmm. even a little bit of outfield. It's just about getting these bats in. There are guys that you know, uh, Juan Franco may play third. You may get uh, Torkelson playing a little bit of third as well. Ultimately, this is a Gold Glove first baseman with forty plus like Homer potential. So yeah, it's the future's bright and Torkelson one of the best. All right. So if anyone's looking to bandwagon a team before it actually happens, you want to hop on a little bit early. It sounds like the Mariners and the Tigers are, are probably the teams to do it with Welsh. So <laughs> they have agreed. Yeah, totally they, agree. And they got others. They had they've both teams have had really, really good drafts and international classes for the Mariners for sure. All right, let's play a, a quick game of uh, guess who. I don't know if this, I don't know if this player still has his prospect status or whatever. He'll always be a prospect in my mind until he either goes away or he actually is given a fair shake. Are you ready? It's going to be a non-prospect, and so we're, <laughs> we're going to have our minds on prospects. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. So before you said anything, I was going to say lasting smillage, but then I was like, oh, <laughs> he's still around, so okay. Yeah. So this is a guy that didn't get his fair shake. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, but okay. Is lasting smillage playing in like some random country like Manny Ramirez, and they're like I teammates so. somewhere? And <laughs> I hope so. I would love to get just like a random Twitter video of lasting millage just dropping something like 425. That would be awesome. Very nice. Very... All right, number one. I'm a former first-round pick in 2016. I don't know if Welsh has all the uh, first-round picks memorized. Brady Aiken? No. Okay. And you can just... I, you I, can, I, the years and where they were drafted, that's not going to be a big key to me, but keep going. Okay, and you can just shout out answers whenever you think you got it. I am batting 305 with 48 home runs and 52 steals over 396 career minor league games. So again, that's 305, 48 home runs, 52 steals, 396 minor league games. Former first rounder. Sounds nope. like he's doing pretty well. He's I s- bad numbers. I saw 69 plate appearances in the majors nice. in 2020. Yes, very nice. And okay. I had just a 596 OPS. Sub 600 OPS in 69 plate appearances in the majors in 2020. <laughs> this one <laughs> is talk- bothering me. I feel like I, I have a big this. game earlier. You think you got I, it? No, I don't. I don't. Like, I feel like I, I can, because the stolen bases are a big marker here for a prospect that's gotten a little bit of run with that power, but it's just not clicking. Keep going. My early, my early NFBC ADP, I don't know if this helps anyone, Okay, is 183.6. It's always being drafted. So he, he does have some redraft appeal. Uh, um, is it Dylan Carlson? It is not. That's not okay. a bad guess, though. Yeah, he's... He has more home this is my last guess. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, this one, this one, I'm gonna be pissed when you tell me the name because I'm gonna be like, of course. If I ever get consistent playing time, you would consider me lucky. <laughs> no, this is you just did. They did a name. I, I can't. Oh, <laughs> uh, hang on. Former first Scott, round pick. What? I told you I'm horrible at this, Scott. You're supposed to do this. You should have saved me two guesses ago. I know. I Luck know. is in his name. He just he debuted this year. He didn't debut this year. He debuted in 2019. Oh, but he played okay. this year. All right, and he got 69 at bats this year. 
396 minor league games, 305 batting average, 48 homers, 52 steals. <laughs> it's going to it's it's going to be infuriating when you say this name. It will be infuriating when you say it. Uh, I'll I'll give you an, an off the cuff clue. Okay. I have lefty righty splits. I have issues with spl- splits. <laughs> okay, thanks for that. Um <laughs> If I ever get consistent playing time, you might consider me lucky. We might be the two dumbest people. You know, <laughs> Scott, do you realize how many people are screaming at us right now? They are I don't so think they are. I, mad. I, I think no, this they is are genuinely mad. difficult. Like, no, but he's doing the, Frank's doing the, the name thing. Like, it should be so clear to us. And it's not clicking with me whatsoever. Well, I don't even know what that means. Lucky, like... Yeah, somebody, is it is, I'm, I'm is the through, e? like I'm thinking through the lucky charms, right? Is, is this somebody a whose last thing? name is Moon uh, or like uh you know Clover? I, I, I don't know. Is this a Babib thing? Get, get, yeah. what, what's his first name? <laughs> uh, what his vision does he play, and that helps a lot of. Time. Oh, yeah, uh, the National League West. Oh, uh, Edwin Rios? No, no, he doesn't steal bases. See, Sam <laughs> Hilliard. Name. No, no, no. He's Ooh, got Sam Hilliard was that. a great guess. Yeah. Uh, His first name rhymes with Blavin. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is the worst game. Why did you do this, Frank? What? Who is His it? His first name rhymes with what? Blavin, which is not a word. I'm trying to think of an actual word that this rhymes with. Uh, now, now they're yelling at us. <laughs> All right. All right. It, it is. Are you ready for the big reveal? Sure. I'm Gavin sweating. Lux. Oh, okay. oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I mean, in hindsight, in hindsight, were my clues bad? The lucky one? I hate you for it. It threw me so off track. The luck let's no. I thought no, no, I thought no, it would not. give it away easily. It's like Lux. Oh man. Should but I say it's such should a I have, high end prospect? That's the it's, embarrassing it's part. It's such a you, massive you give, prospect. Should I have said Luxy? <laughs> you gave us what his first name rhymes with. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, sure, sure I was like, that. who's Gavin? What Gavin is out there that's lucky? I don't know a Gavin lucky. That was, I told you. You, you know what I, it, you know what it really was. He said, "I'm not sure he's a prospect anymore." That made me think he was like 27 years old when he yeah, said, like 100%. not, yeah, not because, so high end. Because yeah, like Rowdy Tellez. I, I look talking. at prospect lists and he's not listed anymore. So I don't. Well, I, yeah, he 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 just hit uh, off a of qualification. Yeah, he must right. have lost the qualification. So you're technically right, but that's just yeah. not what I was thinking. So oh my, I mean, but the get the rhymes. What did you say? Rhymes with schmavin? Yeah. <laughs> I think I said blavin, but blavin, yeah, so blavin lucky. There. Why did the? Why did you add? Like, why did you say he rhymes with Kevin or Gavin? Yeah, Kevin. Like, why did you put an L in there? Kevin would have made. It's sense, all your right? fault, Frank. It's we're the we're worst. definitely. Right. I, I mean. I, I have redirecting the blame here. I, I said I'm not good at this, but that was uh, uh, that was that amazing. Was, that was Welsh, amazing. Uh, this was basically a, a seven minute game to find out uh, will it ever happen for Gavin Lux? Will it happen in 2021? Um, come on, they won the World Series. They can let's get some kids involved now, man. Who cares about winning anymore? Let's get the kids I, in. I mean, I agree. You know why? It's funny. I did go to a Dodgers prospect because Edwin Rios is like a super deep guy of people are looking that I would be looking at this year. I think uh, Turner could be gone. Lux could now it just gets it all funky. Uh, Muncy could go over to third. And I think Edwin Rios could play some serious at bats at first base. And that is a dude that's going to hit some homers. But like 
I'm super discouraged. I've always been a little bit discouraged when I see Gavin Lux in person compared to like the numbers you see on a, on a page because he really shines. He really like when he is the overachiever at a level, he takes advantage of it when he's on level playing field, at least what I've seen so far, it's, it's a little bit discouraging. The power kind of disappears. His plate discipline, discipline goes away. Um, Kind of like Dylan Carlson, kind of like what Dylan Carlson went through for the Dodgers to give up like they did. I mean, I want you to think about this. The Angels held on with Joe Adele and what he did longer than the Dodgers gave any opportunity for Gavin Lux. And in in an important year, they said, no, Kike Hernandez and Chris Taylor are going to do it. I'm worried that continues on to next season. And I think Gavin Lux might start in the minors next year, which is going to be infuriating. But he's still a great buy buy low guy because he has hit, he steals, he's at a prime position. Dodgers could always make a move off of him. He was a huge trade piece. So I would buy low. I'm tenuous and I'm actually a little concerned to hear. Is he really 182 in uh, NFBC? Yep. I don't think there's any guarantees. No guarantees that he starts, especially after what happened this year. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but uh, no guarantees. Though, he was rocking some bombs. The Dodgers a couple times played some of their alt-site video. And he was taking advantage. Tony Gonsolin, I think he actually took twice in one game and uh, looked really, really good. But again, that's about like when he's comfortable. And when he's not comfortable, he does not adjust well. So he might just be a little bit of a late bloomer. So that's why you buy low. He is the Welsh. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at is it the Welsh. And make sure you check out the In This League podcast as well as Prospect One. Welsh, before we let you go, just give us uh, a name that nobody is talking about. One of one of the Welsh's sleepers, potentially a guy that you can uh, get in a dynasty league, maybe on the cheap right now. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, well, one I want to say, I teased a little bit. I'm, I'm just going to throw out a guy that doesn't seem remotely close to being able to be at the majors anytime soon. But I think in, I'm just do this real quick, in 2021, look out for Bobby Witt in deep, deep drafts, if you're doing that type of stuff, they're talking about, especially if in camps, he ends up working in the outfield in, um, you know, just in spring training, that could be to get him up soon. And he was a little bit later of a high school prospect. I think there's a possibility that he could be up in 2021. And that would be kind of my big, like surprise shocker one. As far as um, a couple of guys that no one are talking about, I mean, prospect people are talking about him, but look out for Tyler Freeman. Tyler Freeman with the Indians, and this kid has built muscle. He's got an insane walk-to-strikeout ratio. It's it's kind of similar to like what Nick Madrigal does, but this guy has power, and he can play multiple positions. And if they're going to trade off of Francisco Lindor, there's a real opportunity that Tyler Freeman could get some run this year. And uh, just two others, I would throw out uh, Jared Oliva with the Pirates, who has got power, he can hit, and he runs like crazy, former U of A prospect. He didn't get some run this past year, but he's a super, super underrated, talented player. And just someone no one's talking about is Lodi Tavares with the Rangers, who had a surprisingly solid year. His speed is kind of tapered back, but it's there. His strikeouts dropped from where they were and they'd been concerning before. And he finally tapped into power after four years of kind of disappointment. And I've had some, uh, a couple team scouts about a year and a half ago tell me, don't forget and don't be the person that gives up on Leody Tavares with other teams, by the way. This was a scout with another team. And Leody kind of did it. And I think that's a guy you should look at like deep, especially you play those like five outfielder stuff. Look at Leody Tavares next year. So Oliva, Tavares, and Tyler Freeman with the Indians. Great information as always. Dude, we could do two, three hours worth of podcasting right now with the Welsh. Uh, that's how fun it is. Talking as long as we don't prospects. do that game. Don't do that. We can't do it with that game again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Never. Was, look, 
if he just gets playing time, you would consider him lucky. For the Welsh. lucky. For the Welsh and Scott White, I am Frank Stample. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again on Tuesday. Bye-bye.